Welcome to the fellowship. My name is Adam Hawk, joined here by Ryan Engel. Full disclosure, folks, we're winging it today. No prep. It's a little thing we like to call Lucy Goosey. Yeah. I don't have time to prep this podcast anymore. Quite simply, there is just way too much going on in our lives right now to sit down, clack the keys. So you know what we're going to do? We're just going to work off of some simple bullet point notes this time. Our apologies in advance if we ramble. Ryan, how are you today? I think this is going to be our best episode to date. Well, nothing has changed for you. I know. I just I'm, I finally got an actual partner. A lot of people are talking. A lot of people are saying. There are now two unprepared people for this podcast, but I do have some notes here, and there is so much to get to. So let's just take it chronologically off the top and go back to last week, Wednesday golf, the Gillis group. I got out there for the first time in probably a year because here's the rub of the green, folks. Mm. You get a job a nine-to-five job, and guess what you can't do anymore? Play weekday golf. Gaff. And that is why Ryan Engel has never held down a job in his life, a real one, because he likes to work for himself so he can go out and play Wednesday golf. In fact, while I was doing my job for the SCGA today, this morning, mm-hmm. I overheard you on the phone making a tea time at Indian Wells Country yeah. Club. You got to get your priorities straight. You got one go on this rock. You know, we all got to work. We all got to do our thing, but make sure you take care of yourself too. I showed up this morning at five in the morning. That's your own problem. To pack orders from our Black Friday sale. More on that in a minute. And to- Since you didn't help me pack orders on Friday when you took off the day we started our sale and left me here alone, but continue. So I'm in here early. I'm getting my work done. You roll in, get right on the blower. You call up the Indian Wells Country Club Pro Shop and make a tea time while I'm sitting here slaving over the keys. I've got a big weekend planned, Adam. Thank you for asking. Wednesday golf, the Gillis Group, back involved, felt really good, got out there, played golf with you, Anthony Picardi, Lars Lewis. The golf wasn't all that memorable because no one played that great. I'll say this, you played awesome, the front nine, incredible display of golf, and then I think everyone just got a little tired on the back nine. Anthony, of each other, maybe? or Well, I think three people were just fine with each other. Yeah. <laughs> One person hated himself. That's true. But it was fun to watch Anthony McCarty play vintage clubs. We didn't know if he'd show up with them. He did. Does it count, though, if the grips are new? It's your call. You're the vintage yeah, guy. I know. He was lacing the persimmon off of the tee box. That was fun to watch. And then he was just drippy, drippy rolling in these putts with this old gold putter on probably the fastest green San Clemente Municipal Golf Course has ever, ever presented to the public. I've seen him fast before, day before the city championships. They get the roller out and they finally do it justice. But this was crazy. That was that was as fast as I've ever seen him. Maybe the fastest. A lot of people are talking. Let's fast forward to hole number 13, the most memorable hole of golf any one of us has ever played. This sequence of events requires your utmost attention, so please turn up your radio dial right now as I walk you through the most bizarre hole of golf I have ever played in my life. And I was in the presence of Ryan Engel, Anthony McCarty, and Lars Lewis. It's about a 190-yard par 3 Engel and I were on a team. Bacardi 
and Lars Lewis were on another team. No one hit a good tee shot except Lars Lewis, eight feet above the hole. We didn't know it at the time, but he was in jail. Remember, we talked about how fast those greens were rolling. That putt right to left downhill where the pin was, you either make it or you have a 30-footer coming back. Because Anthony Bacardi is who he is, he simply cannot sit back and enjoy a round of golf. And he said to you on the 10th hole, dog, I have to leave in my Maserati right now if we don't start gambling on this. Those are his exact words. Yeah. I can't play unless we start gambling. And you have always famously said, how much money do I have to give you to just shut the hell up and have a good time? Yeah. But with Bacardi, he has to play for something to feel good. So we started playing a cart v. cart match. I mean- can you blame the guy? His car payments are probably through the roof. Yeah. The guy's single-handedly keeping Italian car companies in business. So 10 bucks a hole. The first three were halved. And so this is a $40 hole. Lars Lewis is tight. We're all off the green and we're playing hockey. It does not matter what Anthony and I did on this hole. Let's just take us out of the equation because I don't want to bore you to death. It really comes down to Lars and Engel. And Lars had an eight-foot downhill right-to-left slippery birdie putt. Ingle had about 15 feet left for par, dead up the hill with a little break in it. Lars just barely breathes on his Strixon golf ball, and that thing goes 30 feet past the hole. Yeah. It was the slowest trickle ever, and as soon as it got by the hole, it ran out like a slip and slide. That was such a savage pin location. And he was upset. Mm. but not as upset as he would get. Mm. Now, you would two-putt from where you were. Mm -hmm. You knocked it close, you tapped it in, that's a four. That was a pretty good four for hitting it on the mirror on the tee shot. (laughs) Yes, yes, a very good four. Lars has about 30 feet left for par to win the hole and to win $40. He slaps it back up the hill and leaves himself three feet coming back down. Mm -hmm. Here's why this next putt is important. He needs the bogey four to have the hole with you. And if he makes it, I was in for five and Bacardi was in for four. So this would have won it for him even if he had the hole with you. For some reason, Lars Lewis, who is now working on a three jack, goes left-handed to the golf ball. He is not playing an ambidextrous club. He is playing a blade putter. He turns it around and he proceeds to whap the motherfucker. He hit that so incredibly hard. I wasn't as surprised at the left-handed back of the flange putt because I'm a psychopath too, and I do that a lot, and I'm I'm good at that putt. Just It's just like bellying the wedge. You're just trying to hit a flat part of the ball, keep your hands still, and if you're comfortable doing it, sometimes it's good to do that on those putts. It wasn't what he did. It was how he did it. Mm. We had just witnessed... All of us struggle on the downhill on that. You cannot stop the ball. So even if you are going to do that, you want to keep still and tap, tap, tap it in. Just tap it in. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap a rule. This dude pitched it. If he would have hit that straight in the center with the speed at what, it probably would have rolled over the hole. Yes. I don't think it was going in. That's what we in the business like to call unreasonable speed. (laughs) Yeah. So he's putting for $40, he turns around left-handed for God knows why, and then he whaps the living shit out of it with the flange of the putter. The ball rolled 35 feet down to the bottom of the green. Past where mine originally was. Correct. The three of us look at each other, Anthony, you, me, and we are in bewilderment of what we just saw. This putt had a lot of money on it. It was kind of a gimme, even though it was super slippery. Not a gimme, but... Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It was in the... 
in the wheelhouse, but yeah. no one was going to give it to him. No, we couldn't. But I knew he was going to make it if he had just hit it normally, but mm-hmm. he didn't. We look at Anthony, and he is beside himself. He is like not mad, but just as confused as I've ever seen anyone in my life because, hey, partner, that's my money too. What are you doing? What are you doing? So Lars has 35 feet to make five to finish the four jack to have the hole because you and Anthony wash each other out with your fours and he has to wash me out with a five. Right. What does Lars do? Drains it. He buries it in the throat from 35 feet away. And this was after we told Lars, hey, this putt still matters because you have a chance to carry over the bet to the next hole. He drains it. Now, anyone in their right mind would start laughing their ass off at the audacity of what had just happened, at how long of a putt he just made, after how short of a putt he just missed, after his left-handed antics, after being within eight feet for birdie and making a miracle putt to double. Crazy. But does he laugh it off? No. He does not laugh it off. Well, we got to rewind, Adam. When he missed the left-handed comebacker, he, walking to his ball down the hill screaming profanities, did what I haven't seen in a long time. I've seen it on the side of the head, but not the forehead, the front of the head. But it was the, he's still holding on to his putter grip, and he's hitting the middle of his putter shaft vertically against his forehead very, very violently. And then he decides to let go of the putter grip, put the putter into one hand, and then left hand punch himself in the side of the head about three or four times. Pretty hard, too. That's when we knew that we were in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) And then he makes the putt. And then he makes the putt. Yeah. Unbelievable. Hell of a putt, by the way. Yeah. Hell of a putt. We'll say this, Lars, thanks for the memories. Oh, yeah. I'll never forget it. Yeah. Whenever there's that pin position on 13, I'll always remember that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what's interesting is we go on to play 14 for $50. Everyone puts their drive in the fairway. Everyone gets on the dance floor. I had a pretty darn good second shot. And then I three-jacked. Mm. And I cost us $50. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. And you know what we did? We laughed on our way to the golf cart down $50. I didn't give a shit. That's how you play the game of golf. Mm-hmm. You get roped into a gambling game that you don't really want to play, and then you just laugh it the hell off. Well, that was Wednesday golf. I did have a really good time being out there, minus the fact that my tire shredded <laughs> on the way down to the golf course. You know, I've got this 2014 Toyota Corolla that I inherited from my wife because after we had kids, she upgraded to an SUV and I took the very plain Jane white sedan that just reeks of a guy that lives in a cubicle. This Corolla used to be a rental car before it was sold to us from a dealership. So wow, folks, you're talking to a guy that drives to Los Angeles and San Clemente for work. You've never met anyone in your life that isn't a semi-truck driver that has more miles on their odometer than me. And this car has been lit up like a damn Christmas tree for a long time. And all of a sudden, click, 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 click. As I'm coming down the five to the golf course, I call you and I say, where are you? My engine blew up. I think my engine blew is what you said to me. And I'm like, well, first of all, I just saw your dumb ass in front of me and there's no smoke coming out. So don't think your engine blew. You're not on fire. I did like every normal guy does. You look under and check the wheels, check the hubs, check the wheel wells. I was checking the CV joints. Something's just caught in there. It's probably some trash bag you picked up on the freeway by Fullerton. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, and they just stick and you just can't get rid of them. <laughs> well, anyway, this tire was shredded like a driver that had just been through an F1 race. And you were kind enough to find a blade to cut off the shrapnel so I could drive it home. And I think you told me, hey, you've got about two more round trips on this thing before it, it explodes. Blows. Yeah. So go get you some new tires. So I went that night to get new tires. And upon getting those new tires, the mechanic said to me, you know, you have really run this thing into the ground. You're lucky that you got it here because it's not just new tires that you need. You need an alignment. You need brake discs. You need brake fluid. You need new brakes. You need new spark plugs and you need new fuel injectors. So when all was said and done, after Wednesday golf and coughing up money to Anthony Bacardi and Lars Lewis, I then had to pay $1,800 to discount tire center. I will say this, 1800 for all that work, isn't that bad of a deal? Right. My wife said the same thing. She yeah. said, you drove that thing into the ground and now you're going to get another 100,000 miles out of it. Yeah. It beats a monthly car payment. I love what you do for me, Toyota. I love what you do for me, Toyota. You kids are too young to remember that slogan. $1,800 later, the 2014 Toyota Corolla drives like a Rolls Royce. I swear to God, you could stack champagne flutes in a pyramid on the hood of my car, pour them to the brim, and I wouldn't spill a drop driving that thing through a pothole. That's crazy. After all that work and you still can't park it. The very next day, we drove down to Vista, California. If you haven't heard of Vista, California, guess what? Neither have we. Vista, California, home of Dog Leg Brewing. We went out there for an event, had an excellent time. Probably a better hang than it was a lucrative night, but we're into the hangs more than the money, if you can't tell. And besides it being a fun hangout, what was the highlight of that evening? Texas Roadhouse. Oh, my God. How did I forget? I was thinking about the actual event. I was like, what was the highlight? <laughs> At least our dumb friends showed up. That made it fun. But yeah, Texas Roadhouse. The next time that I steer us wrong will be the first. That is correct. It you will know? be. Yep. I mean, how many times or when we're on the fly does the kid just have the idea of the trip? So they had a barbecue vendor out at this event, but they sold out of food by 7 p.m. And we were on the hook to be there until 9 and so there was no food for your boys here and no food for our friends. And Ingle gets this bright idea. We're going up the road to Texas Roadhouse. And I had no idea what the hell Texas Roadhouse was. Never heard of it before. But it was quite the popular selection by anyone within earshot because originally it was just going to be you and I going and grabbing some dinner. What do you know? Six guys in tow, including Jordan Dixon, Jordan Borad, Troy Aguilar. Is that how you say his name? I think so. And then your buddy from KSM. Oh, <laughs> KMS. <laughs> KBS Golf Chefs, you idiot. What? What's that? God, you work for two golf companies, and I don't even think you know anything about golf. Okay, so Dave. I from like Tiger Woods. <laughs> Me and my mom been rooting for Tiger for a long time. <laughs> oh, really? Cool story, dude. Does Tiger use KSB, Chef? <laughs> <laughs> he 
You don't even know what shafts your hero uses, dude. Oh, and Jorge Hill was there. Mm-hmm. The great equalizer. Jorge Hill. What a wonderful human being that guy Doesn't is. Doesn't get any better. You know? Doesn't get any better. Now, we are both fans of one Jordan Dixon, but Jordan Dixon... I would like you to drive back down to that Texas Roadhouse. Yeah, in you need you need to apologize to the waitress and the hostess. Yes, and please, please go apologize to that hostess because here's what happened. Yeah, this is this is great. So you know how sometimes you go into a restaurant and they tell you we're not going to seat you until your entire party arrives, and it's frustrating, but you get it. You have like a six top or an eight top, but they don't want you to go sit down as two or three because. They don't know if those people are coming, and they sure as hell don't want to take fragmented orders and just serve you water for 20 minutes when they could seat another legitimate six or eight top and start making some money. So we've got these people that heard Ryan Engel shout out this great idea to go to Texas Roadhouse, and they are coming at different times, all within five or ten minutes of each other. But when we we got, didn't know who was coming and yeah, how many. That's true. So we just threw out an arbitrary number. We think there's eight, but there's five of us here. Maybe there's going to be seven or ten. We don't know. Yeah. And God bless the hostess. They didn't have any idea what to do, so they just said, "Okay, sit there and let me know when you, your whole party is ready to be seated." Smart. Texas Roadhouse closes at ten. We walked in at nine thirty. Dixon was either really hungry or just really had a hair up his ass because <laughs> he looked at this person and said. Hey, man, there's six of us here. Why don't you just cut us a break and seat us now? And he literally said, cut us a cut break. Cut us a break. That was so <laughs> I've, – I've never thought that the phrase cut us a break was so derogatory. Right. And did we need a break? We had been in there for 30 seconds. Yeah. I was just like, oh, wow, look at all this meat in the window and these neon lights. And yeah. This, the music's awesome. This is freaking cool. Dixon looks at his watch while saying, how about you cut us a break and seat us now? And after this, Hostess was incredibly insulted by this back and forth and this pseudo demand. Yeah. Dixon then goes, well, how about I do the Happy Gilmore thing and pull out a little dollar and you can take care of us? And you know in the scene of Happy Gilmore when he tells Ben Stiller at the old folks home, hey, you know what? I want you to take extra special care of that young lady over here and here's a dollar for your trouble. Yeah. Dixon literally pulled out a dollar and waved it in front of And you know what the hostess said? No, thanks. It was an incredible exchange. Yeah. Dixon, what the hell? What are you doing? I mean, you're representing Nation Golf out here. Oh, man, that guy is just a bundle of joy, isn't he? Yes, he's the best. And he was well aware of Texas Roadhouse. I think he ordered the roadkill. I don't even know if that was on the menu. He just knew about it. He knows all the secrets there. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. That candied yam that he had, that was... From a culinary aspect, that was just a disrespectful plate. Yeah. So the he, amount of marshmallows. He ordered what? Thing. Some kind of sweet potato that came out with yeah. 38 mini marshmallows in it? Torched. Torched. Yeah. And he wanted you desperately to take a bite. No. I don't eat off of his fork anymore. <laughs> Since when? <laughs> and um, He tried to feed me shrimp from his fingers and Catalina, and I was like, nah, I don't need another man to feed me like a Greek statue, dude. Well, he reversed the whole scenario at dogleg on you when he grabbed the last bit of your beer because he hadn't had a drink yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Holy <laughs> so shit. So listen, listen, listen. Do you think he's hustling us? Well, this Do you guy, think this is all part of his bit? He's got you eating out of his hand. Yeah, and, and then taking my beer. And then he's taking your beer. Yeah. We had a wonderful dinner. It's all happening. And it's a shit show. We got appetizers. We got drinks. Everyone's just sending it, getting surf and turfs, the whole nine yards, right? And so you're just thinking, oh, God, this bill's going to be fucked up. 
And right as she comes, all right, guys, is this all you want? And he's just like, oh, can we get a separate check, please? I had this, that, and the other. And I was just like, oh, my God, this poor lady. We had such a good experience with that server. And we just went from, like, her favorite table of the night to fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I greased her pretty good. Oh, yeah. Because and- we found a wallet in the parking lot with some illegal identification. There's some fake IDs in it. So we turned the wallet in to the front desk, and we took the money just for a moment, and we gifted it to the waitress. That is correct. So she got a she got a great tip, and she wasn't the only one that got a piece of that money. Yeah, I did slap a five to the hostess mm. who had to deal with Dixon dangling a one in front of yeah. this person, like they were. Well, some he kind blew of... it. He could have had six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have been on such a wicked find it on the ground run wow. lately. Two weeks ago, I found a $20 bill on the ground. Well, that would have been cool four years ago, but we're in a different America now, Adam. We sure 20 are. Bucks. 20 bucks. That's not even a Taco Bell run. No, it's not. But I found 20 bucks on the ground two weeks ago. Then I find the wallet in the parking lot of Texas Roadhouse. Then, over the weekend, I found a pair of Ray-Ban sunglasses on the ground, mint condition, Perfectly fits my fat face. Wow. I'm on a bit of a run here. But before we do move on from the topic, I do want to say this. I know both Lars and Jordan Dixon listen to the podcast, and they need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we love you both, okay? We do. This is how we talk about our friends. Yeah, just tighten it up, you two. (laughs) (laughs) Can you cut me a break here? (laughs) The way he looked at his watch when he said, can you cut me a break here? Yeah, he looked at his watch like, what the fuck is that all about? Like, hey, Dixon, just for one second, we are the obnoxious big group walking into a restaurant 20 minutes before close. Yeah, tread lightly, man. They're the ones that need us to cut them a break. Yeah. We had been standing in the lobby for two seconds before you start waving George Washington's all over the place asking to get seated and get get some breaks cut. Hey, those rolls with the honey butter, though? Unbelievable. My God, get those away from me. Come on. Great, 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 great restaurant. Highly recommend Texas Roadhouse. Texas Roadhouse. Dixon, Lars, we love you. We're just having fun here, okay? Why don't you guys do this? Why don't you guys launch a podcast together? And you can talk-, talk about me all you want. Yeah, talk about Ingle and I. You can call me anything you want, but don't call me that. <laughs> oh, gosh. You can call me anything you want, but don't call me that. Is that not the best clip you've ever heard in your life? You can call me anything you want, but don't call me that. Oh, it's gosh. so good. It's the best. You and I each played the role of great dads this weekend as... Separately and respectively, we embarked on two different kind of missions to different white trash neighborhoods. Mm. I took my act to Paris, not to be confused with Paris, France. This is Paris out by Temecula and Riverside. Don't worry, guys. They spell it different out there. Yeah. P-E-R-R-I-S. Paris. Yeah, Paris. (laughs) I went to Paris to take my kids to... Thomas the Train, which if you've got kids, especially a boy, he probably likes Thomas, and they roll out a train that's all made up to be like Thomas. So it's this whole life-size dream realized, crazy, ridiculous experience. And by the way, I don't mean to talk it down. It was 
incredibly fun. It's wild when you see your kid lose their marbles over living in a dreamland. I think that's why people take their kids to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. But this was Disneyland on steroids for my son. I'd highly recommend it to anyone who's got a kid that likes Thomas the Train. Every November, he comes out to Paris. Anyway, more interesting than that is you went to Anaheim. Anna Crime. Anna Slime. Mm. Anna Grime. Yeah. You went to Anaheim to Monster Jam, a monster truck rally. Yep. Wow. How was it? It was pretty radical. I mean, you you know, you... All those kind of things. You're like, you got the traffic going in, the parking, you're walking, you're trying to get food, waiting in line. There's people everywhere. It's like, it's not the easiest hang when you go to those kind of events, but there's like, you know, some excitement involved in that whole thing. There's a little bit of a rush going. You get to your seats. You're trying to get your bearings. You're looking around like the way it's all set up and the colors and the jumbotron and how it's all working. And then the trucks come out and they all just like get introduced like you know, a starting lineup, you know, and they come out and they're loud as shit. And then they start ripping around in circles and they play the national anthem and you're just like, this is actually pretty sick, (laughs) you know? Palmer, you know, I think she was stoked at first and then just kind of overwhelmed. And she spent most of her time just watching like weirdos in the stands. Like she had her back to the trucks because she was just like, who are all these people? And why do they look like that? (laughs) Well, there is a direct line to Anaheim from Riverside. Yeah. And it's called the 91 Freeway. Yeah. And that 91 Freeway brings in all the Inland Empire meth heads. I will say this. Monster Jam was cool. I miss Bigfoot, the original monster truck. I don't know what happened to him, but that's how old I am. <laughs> was Gravedigger there? Oh, yeah. Gravedigger won everything. Anaheim Stadium. Angel Stadium. Whatever you want to call it. Worst stadium in America. Yeah. And it's not even close. That place is such a freaking dump. And that's saying a lot, folks, because we live in the same country that has the Oakland Coliseum. Yeah. It's so bad. They just paint over shit, retrofit some crap. Tell the people what you saw when you went to order food. Oh, yeah. Cockroaches on the ground right when you're picking up your chicken sticks. Beer was warm. Place is a joke. Let me ask you this. How many of the monster trucks do you remember by name or by look? Because I got to ask you about one specifically. I could probably name all of them. Okay. Is there still a monster truck called Monster Mutt? Yep. That looks like a Dalmatian with a tail? I, 10 years ago, used to be the mascot for Monster Mutt. What? Yeah. Yeah, I got a paid gig, $200 a show. I would go LA Dodger Stadium and then down to Anaheim at Angel Stadium, and I would be dressed as Monster Mutt, the mascot, and just walk around the infield and the concourse, meeting fans and taking pictures. Were you doing drugs? No, I was not. But yeah, I used to be a Monster Jam mascot back in the Did day. Did you get fired? No, I just, the season ran up yeah. and then you go on to the next thing. So we want to talk about another topic that we brought up on our social media account over the weekend. And it was brought up because right now we are running a Black Friday sale. If you have made it this far into the podcast and you somehow don't know that we are running our famous annual Black Friday sale, we are right now. Everything on the website, everything that we make is 36% off. Use the code BF36. That's BF36 at checkout. Press apply. Everything is 36% off. But we are running this sale and... We're a business, and we want to get our messaging out to our customers, to our fans, to our followers. 
And over the weekend, we took to Instagram to express our extreme displeasure in the fact that the Instagram app is a complete smoke and mirrors rigged game. And we dubbed it InstaSham. Just some backstory here, folks, not to reveal too much behind the curtain, but this app used to be a guaranteed winning bet. Spend a dollar on advertising, get $7 back in revenue. It was incredible. It has, over the last 18 months to two years, taken a colossal shit, a nosedive to end all nosedives. And if you have used the app just as a user recently, you understand that you're just having content that you don't follow and that you may or may not be interested in put in front of you continuously. Well, where does that leave a small business like us? Fucked is where it leaves us. Because we either have to put out an organic post that we don't pay for. Instagram figures out we're trying to sell something by either reading our caption with AI or scanning the images we're using and seeing the text that says sale or 36% off. And it realizes we are trying to sell something without paying them to market it for us. So they throttled that post into hell. And we don't get any visibility whatsoever. Now, if we do pay, what happens if we do pay, Ryan? <laughs> Bots. The advertisement that we pay for gets delivered to fake accounts. And then Instagram tells us, you just reached 22,000 people by spending $700. Weird. 22,000 people saw our product on sale with these beautiful assets from a Hollywood home. And 22,000 people passed. They said, nope, I don't want quality at a discount price. Maybe it's because those accounts aren't real. And maybe the same company that's taking your money to advertise shouldn't be the same company reporting back the analytics and numbers for what your ad did to perform. Maybe it's a bullshit conflict of interest where they control every part of the transaction. The worst part about all of this is our content never gets in front of our followers. Our followers are organic. We worked hard to build that following. They want our content because they are following us. They are the most tuned in to what we're doing. But if we put out anything that Instagram can sniff out as us trying to sell something, they hide it from our followers. So our followers don't even know we're on sale right now. Yeah. Here's the deal. In the near future or definitely within our lifetimes, we will witness a major class action lawsuit with the people versus what I guess you call now as meta. Before all this happened, we would run an ad, which our ads back then were nowhere near as good as they are now. And the assets weren't nearly as good as they are now. And our product wasn't as good as it is now. So we're speaking from a true sense of reality here and experience. Back then, we would run an ad, it would get tons of likes, tons of engagement, and a few haters. And then we would get a lot of what we can look at. Everybody's got the analytics on their websites now. Return customer rate, conversion rate, and new customers. So how do we know that it's not working? How do we know that they're fudging the numbers? We pay to play. We get a bazillion abandoned carts. No one pulls the triggers. We get a bunch of new followers. No comments no engagement, no haters, no sales, and they tell us that it did this, that, or the other, it's all bullshit. They are sending bots to go to the site, abandon cart, 
just to create some false traction because they cannot track and put the ads in front of people that actually convert anymore. And so we just throw it into the abyss. So our stuff gets throttled. We get no engagement. We get no response and no sales. And then half of our customers don't even know something happened. It is complete fraud. And they will be exposed within our lifetime. I guarantee it. Perfect example is you made a reel. By the way, I really like that, the way you did the letters. Oh, thank you. Like that. That was cool. To promote the sale on the weekend. It got like a thousand views, 40 likes, no comments on a completely organic, not paid for 20 plus thousand follower account. And that's what really fired a rocket up my ass because I spent a lot of time making that reel. I'm glad that you liked it. And we didn't pay to post it, but it's totally a sales reel. Mm-hmm. Black Friday sale. Here's some lifestyle photos. And I intentionally wrote the caption without any kind of text in it that would allow Instagram to figure out that it was a sale. But they're not just scrubbing the text in the caption. They're scrubbing the actual content. So I remember telling you a while ago, hey, don't put our website in the caption. Don't mention sale. Don't mention link in bio. You write these kind of keywords that Instagram latches onto and goes, oh, they're trying to sell something, but they didn't pay us to run an ad. So we're not going to put this in front of people. We're not going to deliver it. Well, now I am of the full belief, especially with how complicated and complex and far along AI is, that Instagram absolutely has the technology to view the photos and scrub the text off of the photos too. So if I've got an asset out there on Nation Golf Instagram that says we're on sale and it's not in the caption, but it's on the actual asset, they can detect that and they throttle it. When we come out with something new, and the people who subscribe to our emails, who we know we can directly talk to, it converts every fucking time. We'll never run an ad on Instagram again. There's no way. They're not getting another fucking dollar from me. Fuck you guys. Not another dollar, because the, the real problem is, and it boils down to this, and then we'll move on. Our following, which was grown organically, does not see our content either way, because if we don't pay to play, Instagram hides it from them, and if we do pay to play, they go and throw that ad in front of fake people. Yeah. So in either scenario, whether we're paying or not, our real followers who pressed a button that said, we want to see what you're doing, don't get to see it. Right. And that sucks because Instagram isn't the reason we have that following. We are the reason we have that following. Right. We didn't pay for the followers. Let's imagine that it's not a digital space. Let's imagine it's a good old fashioned trade show. And you got to pay for a booth and the person who puts it on just goes, no, we're going to dictate who gets to see this and who wants to this. And we're going to fucking tell you where it's gone. And we're going to give you some phony customers. And you'd be like, you're going to die. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You can't do that. Right. That's my business, my livelihood. You can't fucking dictate me like that. Right. You know, but here we are. Oh, here, here's some more advertising dollars. Take our money. What a joke, dude. I wish they could be like, oh, here. Here's an advertisement you can pay for. Make sure all of your followers see your post. That would be great. I'd pay for that. Absolutely. I'd be like, fuck everyone else. If every one of our followers bought one shirt, we would be richer than God. Well, does God have a bank account? I don't know. Where do you think God banks? Is he Mm. a Chase guy or a Wells Fargo? I'm doing some back of the napkin math here. If every one of our followers bought one shirt, we'd have $1.4 million. Holy shit. Let's do it. Come on, guys. (laughs) 
Too bad we don't have that many shirts in stock right now. Right. We could get them, though. Yeah. Well. Hey, pre-sale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. You'll get your shirt in six months, dude. Oh, gosh. We love you. We really do. Thanks for listening to that. This was Lucy Goosey, no prep, lots of rants. What was that? Loose fart. Oh, wow. Good sound effects. That's going to do it for us. We will catch you next week on The Fellowship. Thank you so much. See you, Zach.